Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. We're glad you can join us as Pastor Dane Skelton shares a weekly message to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. Here's Pastor Dane. Well, if you would open your Bibles, please, to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And just hang out with me there for just a second. Have you ever heard of the Transamerica Trail? The Transamerica Trail. If you know anything about motorcycling, you've heard about it. The Transamerica Trail is a backroads ride across America, covering over 6,000 miles of hills and valleys and mountains and deserts. And four-wheel drive enthusiasts and motorcyclists of all stripes and kinds face challenges like mud and snow and rivers and rocks, and it's not, definitely not, for beginners. They call it adventure touring. There's a whole segment now of motorcycles that you can buy that are specifically designed for adventure touring, and they call it that for a reason. It is extremely demanding on man and machine. So you can see, you can, I brought a couple of pictures with me today. So this is what a typical KLR 650 looks like when it's equipped, and that's actually a light load for the Transamerica Trail. And when you're going to do the Transamerica Trail, these are the kinds of vistas that you look forward to seeing. Guys will ride all the way from Georgia to the Pacific Coast and land on the Pacific Ocean on nothing but back roads, nothing but fire trails, nothing, no highways, no interstates, no anything like that. So this is typically how it looks, but this is where you end up a lot of the times. This is my buddy Randy. We did this in 2016 riding in the mountains in North Georgia, and that looks like we're going into the woods, but we're really just going to a mud bog that we almost didn't get out of. And then, of course, you always need to pay attention and be aware of the wildlife. The Transamerica Trail, like I said, is tough, and you need to be completely prepared for it, especially for the wildlife. Churches, you can take that one down now. Churches, churches are like this. Just like my friend who invited me to come down to Georgia to try out that adventure riding, Jesus Christ has called us to follow him on the great adventure tour of life, and that is life in the kingdom of God, life in the body of Christ. And it's not easy. It takes a lot of preparation. You don't just throw a leg over your dirt bike and go hang out on the Transamerica Trail. It's demanding. It's tough. You have to stand on the pegs all day. Big rocks pop up out of nowhere and try to knock you off the mountain or drown you in the river. You've got to be prepared. You need tools, you need camping gear, you need riding pants and boots and gloves and helmet, you need a route card. The interesting thing about the Transamerica Trail, and I'll just tell you this before I forget, this one guy went and scouted all of these trails across the country, and many of them are not found on a GPS. So he put together this route card, and it's like a little scrolling device Uh, a route map rather it's a scrolling device that you attach to your handlebars and you roll it and it and it'll tell you things like this turn left at the red mailbox ride 5.2 miles 
and turn right at the rusty barbed wire, barbed wire fence. That kind of direction all the way across country. It's like, pay attention to your Bible, folks. It's that important. So anyway, you have to be prepared. You don't head off on the Transamerica Trail unprepared, and you don't go into church and try to do church unprepared either. So here's my question for you today as we start off today. Are you working out and are you prepared for the ride that is the Church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ living in the world? Are you prepared to be the body? Do you know how? Do you know where you fit? Do you know how to get equipped? Because that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. That's what he's addressing in Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to pick it up really at verse 1 and go through 13. So if you'll follow along with me, Ephesians 4, 1 through 13. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended, higher than all the heavens, in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Why? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He's talking about, about the body and how, is it, how it is equipped to live this life Christ has called us to. The Apostle gives us five things to remember as we do this life together, and here are the five. The body is one. The body is many. The body has talents. The body has coaches. The body has a goal. The body has a goal. So let's deal with the first one. The body is one. Verses one through six is one of those beautiful statements in our oneness in Christ, in the whole of the Bible, and on the unity of the body in Scripture. One body, the church, one spirit, the Holy Spirit, one hope, eternal life in Jesus Christ, one Lord, Jesus Christ, one faith, the gospel. What's the gospel? Christ died for our sins, was buried, was raised again on the third day, ascended into heaven, and will return for his own. That's the gospel. One baptism of repentance from sin and faith in Christ. One God and Father over all, like a father over his family. Through all, that's the Lord extending himself through his people, continuing what he started. And in all, the Spirit inhabiting and empowering his people. And just for those of you who are clocking in on Jamie's doctrine class a couple of weeks ago, there's the Trinity again, 
testified to, not explained, but just testified to in uh, the writings of the apostle. So the body is many. The body is one, but the body is also many. Have you ever noticed the difference between the way a, an Olympic swimmer's body is built and an Olympic speed skater's body is built? You know, an Olympic swimmer has big shoulders and really big lateral, these lat muscles back here, and tiny little hips and legs. And then if you see an Olympic speed skater, they're not very big across the chest and across the back, but they've got legs you could drive a truck with, you know, you could just carry a whole trailer with. Different people have different gifts and are situated or trained to do specific things according to the sport that they are in. In the same way, the body of Christ is filled with specialists. We have specialists for everything. Right after that statement of our unity in Christ comes one of the most individualized things you will ever see about the church and about us as believers in all of Scripture. So we've just read that thing in, in, verse, in chapter 4 there, beginning at the top, and he goes, all, 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 and then he says, each. So we're all one in Christ. We've all got the same gospel. We've all got the same Father. We've all got the same God. But each one of us is assigned a gift or a set of gifts. And that's a contrast. The body is one. The body is many. The body is one in Christ. But we have many, many different kinds of gifts and abilities. The diversity of the gifts and the personalities represented in the 50 or 60 people here in this room is beautiful. It's beautiful. Each one counts. Each one has meaning before God. Each one is important in the operation and the health of the body of Christ. So here's a, here's a question again. Do you know your gifts? Do you know your personality style? Have you discovered them? Because God has given you gifts that are an expression of His nature. So it's something to discover and it's something to understand and it's something to use as you think about how do I fit in the body of Christ. You can look, for instance, in Romans chapter 4, verses 12 through 8. If you want to turn there, Romans chapter 4, verses 12 through 8. I don't know if I gave you this one for the overhead. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. Sorry. Thank you, Tom. Romans chapter 12, 4 through 8. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Serving, let him serve. Teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Remember something. Each gift is an expression of the nature of God. How do you know your gifts? How do you know your specialties? 
When you are operating in your gift, you are fulfilled and the people who are receiving that are blessed. When you are operating in your gifts, people, you are fulfilled and people are blessed. It's like watching the Westbrooks family up here play these instruments or watching Polly play her viola. She's blessed, you can tell. She's fulfilled and feels really good about it. You can see it on her face. And we're blessed. I'm always blessed when I hear Polly play. So the body has, the body is one, the body is many, and the body has talents. Let's keep going. The body has talents in verses 8 through 10 because I want to dive into something here that we don't talk about much. So the church is assembled with diverse gifts at the discretion of her conquering king and Lord. And so verses 8 through 10 is a quote of Psalm 68, verse 18. Verse 8 is a quote of Psalm 68, verse 18. When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Psalm 18 reached, uh, 68, verse 18 reads just a little bit differently. When you ascended on high, you led captives in your train and you received gifts from men. Either way, the Ephesians would have understood this immediately because it's a vivid word picture for them. This is what their world was like. In that day, a conquering warlord would ride in triumph down the main avenue of whatever his home city was. And the victims of his conquest would be going before him in chains. And then his servants riding with him or around him would be throwing little items, little valuable items out into the crowd. Coins or jewelry or whatever they had stolen when they conquered the, the, uh, the city that they had conquered. And as he rode by, this would be going on. But it didn't stop there. So think of Mardi Gras, but just without the wickedness in the party, okay? So this king is throwing these things out to the crowd, and his servants are throwing out these gifts to the crowd. So we understand that picture. But this picture goes a little bit deeper than that. This is like when a, a new person gets elected to office, and so they appoint all their political cronies to the various places in the U.S. federal government, like they'll appoint, they get to appoint not only the cabinet, but there are all these appointments that go that happen whenever a new administration moves into office, either in on the federal level or on the state level. So that's what these conquerors would do. All the resources of the conquered region would be divvied up and distributed to the conqueror's friends and to his supporters. And this would be done very carefully and very thoughtfully. And these portions would be given to people who could make the best return on it. That is what Christ has done with the church. When Christ gave you a gift, when Christ gave you a gift, when Christ gave you a gift, he gave it to you because he said, Glenn will make the best return on this gift. Neil will make the best return on this gift. Tom and Lynn will make the best return Pardon me, on this gift. He distributed them like that. And we're supposed to be using our gifts like that for the best return for his kingdom. He has specifically chosen you to receive one of these gifts. He gave them to you so that you would use them for the benefit of others and bring him glory. And doing that, using the particular gifts that you have, is the way that you build the body. And it will give you joy. I found a great illustration of this 
from a secular writer talking about putting together businesses. This is John Stein. He wrote an article in Fast Company back in 2012, The Six Personalities Every Startup Needs to Thrive. He said, assembling your office team is like putting together a puzzle. To succeed, you need to find the proper combination of complementary talents. Hiring a bunch of go-getters is not the sole solution to creating a successful team. Big egos and arrogance can turn the office into a battlefield, a killer for a small company. Instead, strive for balance as you hire. Now, here's what's interesting. He said, here are the six personalities every startup business needs. As you hear these, think about the different kinds of gifts, and I'll elaborate on this a little bit more in a minute. He said, every business needs the dreamer. Think of that as the gift of faith. The dreamer is a motivating force in creating the company and a sustaining force every day after that. I've met these guys. I know some of these guys. The dreamer inspires and excites and leads the company from the view of 20,000 feet. He's not much good with the details, but he's really good at inspiration and at vision. Number two, the manager. Think the spiritual gift of administrations. The manager takes a dream and makes it happen. They're pragmatic, they're reliable, they have initiative to turn ideas into action items. It's all about being approachable and trustworthy and forward thinking. Then you need the builder. That's the gift of leadership. The builder thinks like an architect and has a clear understanding of the company vision and knows how to create it. He or she is intuitive and bright and inventive. One of my children is an architect. And that's exactly what she's like. That's the gift of leadership. Number four is the workhorse, the gift of service. The workhorse is happy to step up and do whatever it takes to make the company engine purr. You'll never hear the words, it's not my job, from a workhorse. They'll just go do it. They don't care. The workhorse gets things done behind the scenes. That's the gift of service. That's what my mom is like. The penny pincher. Now, this one's strange because you wouldn't think of a penny pincher as having the gift of giving. But listen to his explanation. The penny pincher never commits to a cost without first considering the options. He or she is creative with budgets, doesn't spend unnecessarily, and understands the difference between a need and a want. Churches have people that are givers sometimes, but most of the intelligent, really spiritually gifted givers I have ever met understand where their money needs to go and understand where it needs to not go. They're very careful about that. I found that fascinating. And then he said, last, the social butterfly, the gift of encouragement. This person has the ability to create connections among team members and laugh at themselves and others and shift perspective at the right time. Have you ever had a situation where you're in uh, either in your church or in your company or in your family and things are just getting a little bit too tense? And somebody in the group knows how to crack a joke, knows how to tell a story, knows how to just lighten the mood. My friend Bob Plapp is like that. He's also one of the best connectors I know. This, this gift set includes, he says, they're great at creating connections. Some of the best people in ministry I've ever met, I met because Bob went and found them first. 
and said, you need to meet this guy. One of them is Stephen Crotz, who has ministered greatly to me. Your specialty in the body is not just what you can do, but what kind of person you are. So now let me go a little bit deeper into this because some of you are probably struggling with the fact that I'm using a secular example about spiritual gifts. Gordon Fee is one of the best exegetes, I would say, of the 20th and early 21st century. Gordon Fee and a man named Stewart wrote a book many years ago called um, How to Read the Bible for All, of its, All its Worth. One of the best Bible, uh, books you will ever read on how to do exegesis. Gordon Fee, who, by the way, is a lifelong Pentecostal, so he knows a thing or two about the phenomenal side and spiritual gifts, wrote a masterwork of exegetical scholarship called God's Empowering Presence, the Holy Spirit in the, light, in the Letters of Paul. It's over 900 pages long. It is a fascinating work. And one of the comments that Fee makes is, Paul's list of spiritual gifts aren't meant to be exhaustive. He wouldn't recognize, and here this one was really interesting to me, he would not recognize some of the particularity that we have assigned to these gifts. He's just trying to make the point is, God has given us a multitude of gifts in a multitude of personalities, and they are all together part of the body of Christ, and they are all together meant to be used to strengthen and grow the body of Christ in the kingdom of God. So your specialty in the body is not just what you can do, but what kind of person you are. So let me add something else to this. Have you ever done one of those personality assessment surveys? They're very popular. Usually when you're in your 20s and 30s is when you'll hit them. Various companies will require you to take them. But I would encourage this church especially, as we go into this next phase, this transition phase, that we all begin to learn who we are and how we are put together. There's one called DISC. I did that one recently that stands for uh, Dominance, uh, Intuitive, Servant, and um, Conscientiousness. And they'll help you identify your particular style of working, but it's also your style of relating with the other people within the body. Because we're all going to need to know how to do that together because it'll help us be patient with one another. It'll also help us understand, okay, what's this guy put together like? Who is God calling to lead this church, and how is he put together? That'll help us a whole lot. So the Lord purposefully distributes these gifts so that the body of Christ may be built up. Here's another area where we get into trouble with application if we don't do this consistently. Many, many Christians make the mistake that the ministry is the work of the minister alone. And that is not the case at all. The ministers, the pastors, are more or less the strength training coaches for the body of Christ. If you likened it to a football team or a baseball team, Jesus Christ is the owner and the general manager. We're just the coaching staff. But the members actually play the game. And that's why I said the body has coaches, verses 11 through 12. 
some as apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach maturity. A college baseball team or a professional baseball team has at least these coaches, they may have more, a hitting coach, a pitching coach, a trainer, a head coach, a manager. Same thing for football. They have quarterback coaches. They have line coaches. They have running back coaches. Specific coaches for specific jobs. The coaches focus specifically on the ministry of the word. The biblical coaches focus specifically on the ministry of the word. Their job is to fit out or equip the church. And you all know what those roles are. We just read them. I'm not going to go into a, uh, into a deep elaboration on uh, what their roles are. But here's how Paul summed this up. You're very familiar with 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That's what the pastors and teachers do training in righteousness and that basically means what when we think of righteousness we think of oh right and wrong that's not exactly what this means righteousness is how to do life on planet earth in god's god's way how to do life on planet earth god's way here's another thing about our gifts it's really cool to have them it's really cool to be a member of a body or a team that can do great things but we can squander them if we fail to develop and use them. We can squander them if we fail to develop and use them. Listen to the way Paul talked to Timothy about this. This is in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself. Persist in this. So you have gifts, and if those gifts are neglected, they will keep the whole body from growing to full maturity. So here's the really important thing that all of us have to pay attention to. Just like Timothy, do not neglect your gifts. Practice them. Immerse yourself in them. Persist in them so that the whole body will be, will be built up. And finally, the body has a goal. God doesn't give us these gifts for nothing. All of them work together to take us somewhere. All of them work together to help us achieve something. And that is to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Fred Smith, who was a leader from the 20th century, wrote this. He said, this is how I think about spiritual maturity. Am I becoming less religious and more spiritual? Am I becoming less religious and more spiritual? The difference between religion and spirituality is basically a matter of control. I define religion as an experience I can control, while spirituality is an experience that controls me. Spirituality is an experience that controls me. So God has given us all of these gifts to build all of the body up, to build each one of us up to full maturity in Christ. But we have to work on it. And here's what happens if we don't work on it. 
Well, back in 2016, my, my buddy Randy called me down and we went riding in the mountains of North Georgia and we had a great time. But I told him at the end of that ride, I said, if I had not been doing CrossFit for the last six months, you'd be taking me to the hospital right now. I would have broken something. And the fact that I had been doing CrossFit gave me the strength, the total body strength, and the endurance to spend a couple of days in the mountains with him uh, on the trails. But after that, after that trip, I stopped doing CrossFit. And I went back to being a desk potato for three or four years. And that caught up with me a couple of years ago when I tried to do something that required a lot of core strength, you know, those muscles that you're supposed to keep working all the time. And I put all the stress on my back. And when I did that, I herniated a disc and almost couldn't walk. And y'all saw me and, and I'm okay now. I got good treatment from the doctors. I'm okay, the herniation is actually gone, but there's thing, there are things I can no longer do because I allowed myself to get out of shape and injured like that. That's what happens to a church that loses track and forgets to apply this teaching on the body of Christ. We stop growing to full maturity and we put all the strain on just a few people. And if you do that long enough, something's going to give you're going to have a spiritual herniated disc and it's not going to be good. And so what I'm doing this morning is I'm encouraging us on this, our membership renewal Sunday and reminding us of things that we all know very, very well. Immerse yourselves in these things. Work on the development of your gift, not for yourself, but for the body. Here's the other interesting thing. The world teaches us Go find your joy. Go find your happiness. Go find your personal fulfillment. Jesus says, no, 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 no. I gave you a gift. Serve the kingdom of God with it. That's where you will find your greatest joy. We need to remember this as a church going forward so that we don't herniate a disc or blow a gasket or however you want to say it. So FCC does a membership renewal service and a membership renewal process every year so that we can keep ourselves, keep these things clearly in mind for ourselves, keep them up on the front burner. That's why we have this service every year and that's why I'm asking you now if you will stand and take that uh, insert in your bulletin or watch the screens and we will recite our membership covenant together. It is our joyful privilege to enter into this solemn covenant with God and with this church. By God's grace, we bind ourselves in covenant to these propositions. To endeavor to please God in every way, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, and pursuing together a manner of life consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to the kingdom of God. 
to emphasize the importance of God's word and prayer in our personal lives, in our families, and in our church fellowship, to attend as diligently as possible to the public worship of God with this church, recognizing the value and importance of corporate worship and fellowship, to share in the financial support of this church and its varied ministries by cheerfully, systematically, and proportionately contributing of our means, to pray regularly for the needs of the people and ministries of this church, to serve willingly in a specific ministry of this church with the abilities and time God has given us, working together for the needs of others in Christian love and grace, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, to commit ourselves to each other, helping to bring each other to maturity in Christ, to submit ourselves in Christ to the discipline and exhortations of the Bible, to seek the wisdom and counsel of other members of this church before concluding any decision to dissolve this pledge, a commitment to membership. Let's bow and pray together. Father, we make this commitment before you and before each other, not trusting in ourselves, but asking for your strength to follow up on all of these things that we have just covenanted together, covenanted together to do. We ask, Father, for your grace on us as a church as we move forward together. We ask for your blessings on us as we go out to serve this week. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at FCCSobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.